0: From UNH Cooperative Extension, this is Overinformed on IPM. I got my start in entomology down in Virginia, where, like most of the country, agriculture means corn and soybeans. Because corn and soybeans are rotated, every once in a while, an errant corn plant will grow in a soybean field. I guess you could call a corn plant in a soybean field a weed. It is unwanted, um, but corn isn't really a pest organism, so the term weed seems inappropriate. <laughs> um, of course, biologists came up with a term for this errant corn growing in a soybean field, you know, we just love coming up with new terminology, but I find this one particularly charming. They're called volunteers. And I just think that's so lovely. The imagery of a tall corn stalk standing, dare I say it proudly in the middle of a soybean field being called a volunteer. It's just so charming to me. Uh, But back to the topic of this week's episode. What is a pest? By definition, a pest is any organism detrimental to humans. That includes invertebrate and vertebrate animals, pathogens, and weeds. So a pest could be emotionally detrimental, like the organisms that torment us personally. Um, In agriculture, we kind of divide things up into economic and nuisance pests. Economic pests cause damage that affect your bottom line. Like uh, crop yield or quality. Nuisance pests are normally considered emotionally detrimental, uh, but in some circumstances they can have serious impacts on your bottom line. The first thing that comes to mind is wasps. Uh, wasps in a pick your own fruit field. They're generalist predators. Um, they might eat a little bit of the fruit while they're doing it, uh, but not enough to hurt yield. But then on the other hand, who wants to pick fruit in a field full of wasps? These insects kind of swap from one side to the good guy, bad guy continuum pretty fast. (laughs) Um, But today, we're going to get over-informed on an insect group that you might be surprised lays anywhere else on the good guy, bad guy continuum other than pest. And that's earwigs. Bear with me as I read a section from... The 1941 USDA Technical Bulletin on the European Earwig. The European earwig has come into prominence largely as a nuisance in and about human habitations, rather than an economic pest. A furtive insect with foul odor and formidable appearing forceps, the earwig seems to have a proclivity for creating annoying situations. Scuttling out from among the bed linens. Lurking among foodstuffs, dropping upon the table from among cut flowers, and falling in large numbers when an outer door is opened in the morning. Such occurrences drive the tidy householder to a war of extermination, entered into with a zeal out of all proportion to the actual damage for which the earwig is responsible, end quote. Well, if the writer of this bulletin is experiencing all of these things, I don't know that any level of zeal would be out of proportion. That sounds like a pretty bad infestation. But they do end up in human habitations from time to time, and they are creepy, but not at all dangerous. They're omnivorous, so they'll eat just about anything, and that includes other insects, plants, and decaying organic matter, like the woods surrounding, say, a plumbing leak in your house. So if you find earwigs in your house, you're much more likely to need a plumber than a pest management specialist sorry. Earwigs are nocturnal, so anytime you encounter them, you're likely rousing them from sleep, startling both of you. Uh, and they are pretty startling, as they can pinch with chewing mouthparts on one end and a pair of forceps on the back end. These forceps can be bigger and scarier on males than on female earwigs. Despite all of this, this group is pretty interesting from an ecological perspective. Several species in this insect order take part in some level of maternal care. These mothers are often found guarding their offspring from predators, and they'll even clean their eggs of pathogens using their mouthparts. This behavior is very rare among insects. In agricultural settings, earwigs are thought of as both pest and beneficial predators of other pests, depending on the system. Uh, to understand more of the story in tree fruit, I called a colleague out in Washington State.
1: My name is Dr. Rebecca schmidt jeffries I'm a research entomologist at USDA ARS in Wapato, Washington. Um, so earwigs are really a mixed hat. They're sometimes a pest and they're sometimes not, and it just depends upon whether or not they can damage the fruit. In um, palm fruit, so apples and pears, Earwigs have been found, and this was research that was really recently published by Robert Orpit, who was a graduate student at Washington State, to really only be beneficial. So he did experiments where he removed earwigs and added earwigs to orchards and found that where he added them, there was a woolly apple aphid biological control improved. Um, he didn't look at any other pests, but they're also known to be good predators of codling moth, paracilla. So it's possible that there were other benefits that he just wasn't able to pick up uh, by his experiment. There's only so much you can measure. Um, but that where he removed them and where he added them, there were no differences in fruit damage. So a lot of growers um, are con- were concerned about I'd say up to 10 or so years ago and thought of, thought of earwigs as pests because they would find earwigs inside damage on apples and pears. But what Robert showed is that primarily what's happening is there are splits in the fruit primarily caused by water um, flushes causing the split or mechanical damage. And the earwig would just go into the split for shelter and then start eating a little bit um, out of the already damaged spot. But split fruit's gonna be culled anyway, so the earwig's not really causing damage in those situations. The other end of the the spectrum is soft fruit. Uh, They do chew on cherry stems. They'll eat cherries, given the opportunity. Um, And especially our organic nectarine and apricot growers have problems with earwigs. So Robert showed that augmentation worked in apples um, in an experimental kind of situation. We want to see if we can make it more commercialized and make it so some, it's something a grower could do. We want to know if it also works in pear orchards because they do eat persilla, um, They eat coddling moths. Um, they eat a few of our other more minor pests like aphids. And then one interesting question would be is if you're, you're moving them around, trying to get them augmented into where they're a predator, could you remove them from areas where they're a pest? And does that, that removal make any difference in terms of seeing decreases in damage? Yeah. <laughs>
0: That's really cool. So but do, you have a, do you have a feeling about whether or not his work is enough to convince
1: people that they're not pests in apple? Uh, It really seems to be leaning that way now. Um, One of the interesting things that he did in in the paper that just came out, it's in biological control, um, is that he uh, also surveyed field manager opinions about earwigs and most of them did not feel that earwigs were pests, but they were also uncertain about whether or not they were really good at biological control. I think um, as humans, we tend to believe what we see with our own eyeballs. And so people, uh, especially field managers who are, you know, making big decisions day to day, if they don't see something occurring, then it might not be occurring. And so they're used to seeing uh, woolly apple mummies. They're used to seeing lacewing larva moving about. Aphid colonies and eating things. They've seen surfers flying through the air. They pull up their hand lens and they can see predatory mites, um, but they don't get to see earwigs doing their biocontrol thing because they hunt nighttime. They are they are nocturnal hunters. They tree they tree forage at night and hide during the day. Um, so we're I think we're making strides. Uh, there are a few more steps to really convince people, but I, I think they're getting more and more sold on earwigs are good at palm proof. Here's here's another question, not necessarily to do with earwigs, but what makes a good biocontrol? Oh my goodness, and that's that's a debate for the ages, right? <laughs> so, well, so, um, this is this is something I go through with people who are first starting to learn like what biocontrol is. Is and so you ask, you ask them, you know, you give them an idea of uh, what a specialist predator is, and you give them an idea of what a generalist predator is, and then you ask them the pros and cons of using both of those for biocontrol. So obviously specialists would be really good at attacking the pest that you want them to attack because that's what they're specialized to feed on. But if that pest isn't there or it's in low abundance then your specialist is either going to die or leave, whereas generalists like earwigs are really good at eating a bunch of different things. Maybe they'll control more than one pest at once, but that also means that they're not going to be necessarily focused on what you want them to eat. Um, so you get things like when people do earwig gut content analysis, they find out that they've also eaten things like, know, uh, lady beetles, probably the juveniles and the eggs as they come across them.
0: So love them or hate them. Earwigs are a pretty interesting group. Of course, when they come into your house, they may be firmly planted in the bad guy column for most people. It's pretty clear what a pest is when it comes to your own home. But I feel pretty confident about putting them in the good guy column when it comes to the apple orchards. So that's all for this week's episode. Thank you to Dr. Schmidt Jeffress from USDA ARS out in Wapato, Washington. And a very special thanks to Brentwood's favorite son, Jason Lightbound, who wrote and performed our theme music. Overinformed on IPM is a production of University of New Hampshire, Cooperative Extension, an equal opportunity educator and employer. All music is used by permission or by Creative Commons licensing. Views and opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of the university, its trustees, or its volunteers. Inclusion or exclusion of commercial enterprises in this podcast does not equate endorsement. The University of New Hampshire, New Hampshire counties, and the US Department of Agriculture cooperate to provide extension programming in the Granite State. Learn more at extension.unh.edu. Man, though I love
1: talking about earwigs. <laughs> it's so funny because usually I'm like, oh, it's a really cute bug, but I, I think
0: I have a, a bit of squeam in me about earwigs. I am. I
1: am clean when they're where I don't want them or expect them to be. Um yeah. I will say I had I had an earwig incident in the bathroom once. Um it was hiding under the toilet seat and it didn't it either bit me or pinched me. And I don't know which one because I was unable to actually witness the incident. <laughs> I mean to be
0: fair, had it been like a cute little animal that did the same thing, you'd probably be just as
1: upset. Yeah, because it was somewhere where I didn't expect it to be during private time. Rest. Thank you. Thank you.